Amen. You know, we uh, appreciate the fact we've always been a a church, or at least Kathy and I as ministers. Have you ever felt like we twisted your arm for money? The thing is, we probably go the other way. And and I just want to encourage you, when we do a special offering, I want you to remember that. We give you the time and the date because I want to, we don't have much debt, but I'd sure like to take care of that this year. And so we don't ask you for a lot, but start thinking about giving, increasing your giving just for that. Will you do that? Amen. Amen. This this guy's on fire right here. <laughs> you went boating, didn't you? Amen. We've been on a subject. We got on the purpose of God, but we got on to something else. I want you to look into Hebrews 6. This last week, a lot of times when I start my week, I start in prayer, seeking God for what I need to share. And Monday morning, I got it right away. And boy, I really appreciate the Spirit of God telling me things the first of the week. I don't like waiting until the end of the week because then your mind gets involved. You're trying to think, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, I know exactly what I need to do today. So what I tell you, I believe, is by the Spirit of God. And so you, raise your hand and say, I'm listening. You need to listen every time we come together corporately. Because, you know, that's what church is for. You come to worship Jesus. You come to hear the living word of God. And uh, so I want to encourage you, every time you come and you walk through those doors, come expecting. Hebrews chapter 6. Say, I'm not a spiritual sluggard. All right, Hebrews chapter 6, without, without reading all of this, look at verse 9. In the margin of my in the title of the, of the chapter, it says, The Peril of Not Progressing or Maturing. We want to grow, don't we? We want to grow spiritually. Verse 9, it says, But, beloved, we're confident... A better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you've shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12. And you do not become what? Sluggish. Now, in the margin of my Bible, it says lazy, but that really isn't the word for sluggish here. It says, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, in one translation, it says, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. How many of you ever grown disinterested in something? You can grow disinterested in the Bible. One translation, he put it together like this. He said, quit being slothful. Quit acting like someone who's lost his enthusiasm and excitement and has now sunk 
into a state of being slow, boring, monotonous, sluggish, dull, and uninterested. Is that you? Raise your hand. <laughs> You're not going to raise your hand. We said this, this condition of, of being a spiritual sluggard is a heart condition. It's an inward thing. It's, you know, it doesn't mean you're lazy. You can be diligent and industrious on the outside, but on the inside you can just be monotonous, boring, disinterested, and spiritually dull. We said to take care of this, you need to do a self-examination. You need to repent. We said you need to stir up the gift. And what did we say last time? You need to speak to what? We need to speak to what? You can speak to yourself. You need to speak to what? I did a whole whole little thing about this. Thank you. God bless you. Dry bones. So I don't have dry bones. Well, good. Look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. We'll go on to something new. This is what I, the Spirit of God wants you to see. And <clears throat> next week we're going to do something a little bit different. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Pastor Brad was talking about fear. Let's read this. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul is telling young Timothy, Pastor Timothy, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands, for God has not given us a what? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Paul is in prison at this time facing execution by beheading. Now, if you were sitting in a jail cell and knew that your head was going to get cut off, how would you feel? <laughs> but that's what he was dealing with. He was dealing with the Roman emperor Nero who was persecuting Christians at this time. There's a great persecution. And many believers were dying for their faith. But what, you know, Paul has this time to write this letter and he wants to tell his spiritual son and give him the word of God. And so you know what he's telling him is important because time is short for him. And so what does he do? He tells Timothy, God's not given you a spirit of fear. Timothy, I'll be honest with you, was afraid. Because people in his congregation were being executed, were being killed. How do you think he felt? You know, at one point the church was alive and on fire and a lot of exciting things, miraculous things, but now the tables turn. But what did Paul do? This is what Paul did. Look at this in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I what? Remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to what? 
remembrance, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Translation of that says, I'm putting you in memory of all these things so that by your remembering remembering them, you might stir up the gift of God that is in you. That's what I want to talk to you about today and next week is the power of remembering and how important it is for you as a believer to remember what God has done for you in the past. Because what can happen, we can so focus on the mountain, on the problem, on the situation, and the trouble we're in. And we can forget God in the past has delivered me. God in the past has healed me. God in the past has prospered me and blessed me when I need it. But we forget that. And one of the things to help you and I get out of that sluggish state of indifference and apathy is to think back and reflect on what God has done for you. It's really important. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The power of remembering. Memories, good memories. I sat at my desk Monday morning and wrote down a list of things that I remembered what God has done for me in the past. And I had quite a few. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, yes, we have the sentence of death. This is Paul in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now look at verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death? What tense is that? Past. And does deliver us. What tense is that? Present. In whom we trust that he will still deliver us. What is that? So everyone say past, present, future. That's the kind of God we we sang Abba Father today. He loves us. He's for us, not he's not against us. He wants to bless his kids. But you and I need to get our eyes off of our current troubles. I'm not going to ask you for the to raise your hand. But all of us have troubles and situations and circumstances in life, but we need to get our eyes off of those. And we need to remind ourselves how God has delivered us past, how God will deliver us today, and how God the Father, Abba, Daddy, God will deliver us tomorrow. You know, I love my boys they're fine young man. A little ornery, but I like that. But, you know, how many of you, your kids screw up? But do you quit loving them? Do you quit helping them? No. It's, it's, it's that, you know, that parental instinct in you, that love for your kids, even though they, they make mistakes. 
Look at Revelation 2. Revelation 2. Well, I'll define here in a minute what the word remember in the Greek is. And this is the church at Ephesus. In the Bible, in the title, it says it's called the loveless church, meaning there, was, there wasn't any, any love for Christ. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, is that kind of positive? See, as leaders, we need to remember positive, negative, and back to what? Positive. But... In verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have what? Left your first love. Now look at verse 5. What's it say? What's it say? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He's back to positive, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now let's look at this word, remember. And this is what this word, remember, means. It's a written record used to memorialize a person's actions. A written record used to memorialize a person's actions. It means a sepulcher, a statue, a monument, or a tombstone. What do you want on your tombstone? We had a plaque. I had to go find it because it got taken down. It should be hanging up. And in the, on this plaque, see, this is what I'm talking about, remembering a memorial, a, a written record. And it says, in loving memory, these are people that have passed away in the past, family, and, and uh, that have blessed the church by their giving. In other words, they left something for the church. I bet none of you have anything in your will about leaving anything to Harvest Church. I don't think very many people think about leaving any money to the church, to their kids, because they're standing in line with their hand out before they even get to the funeral home. That's why, you know, a lot of people will, will have Billy Graham organizations very good because you, you can leave money so that money will live on and have an effect on the kingdom of God. Here we have, we had a purpose and mission board. It's not up right now, but it was her mom when her mom was killed in the, the accident. We have nursery toys by an aunt of mine, left money. We put that towards toys. Fellowship hall. How many remember the Schlissels? Lois. 
money towards that. A coffee maker. Folding chairs. Gene left folding chairs. Gene Slissel, my favorite janitor. Pulpit, a big screen TV, Orville Voss. They didn't even go to church here. I did their funerals. They were people I had relationship with. They were disgruntled Lutherans. <laughs> they left money to the church. Playground, Ralph Schmidt, silverware, Schmitz. Flowering Crabtree, Isaac Hoskinson. Beautiful tree. Popcorn machine, Mary Voss. Security system, Sandra Dahlcatter. All that is, it's, is to remember, memorialize somebody. We need to do that. The Ephesian believers were distracted by their activities and had forgotten about their early experiences with Christ. What do you mean? They got so caught up in serving Christ, in doing things every day, going through the motions, but they forgot their true love for Christ. Jesus was telling the Ephesian believers to unearth their earthly, their early experiences with Christ that had become buried and remember their powerful beginnings. They had powerful beginnings. And you and I had some powerful beginnings. The purpose of a monument is intended to help us remember a person or an event so it won't be forgotten. Went to the cemetery. Kathy and I are a generation. We grew up, our parents, I can still vividly remember butternut coffee cans sitting outside of the porch on Memorial Day, and Mom had cut fresh flowers and wrapped them with foil, and we'd always take them out to the graves. Why? To remember people. That's the purpose of a monument. It's intended, intended to help us remember a person or an, an event so it won't be forgotten. We, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cremated. I've already expressed my desire. Nobody's going to be looking at me when I'm dead. I think that's the most morbid custom. That's just my private but they're going to take my ashes and they're going to go certain places with my ashes. One of them is going to be the big rock in Fairbury, Nebraska, because it's a big rock that's been there for hundreds of thousands of years. And that's where my father carved his name on that big rock. And some of you know where the big rock is. It's, it's something that, that represents my growing up, my family, my hometown. Not long ago, it's been a few years ago, Kathy discovered, was it the True Loves? And it was your who? Great, great, two greats, three greats, grandfather. We didn't know where they were buried, and here they were buried in Valley, Nebraska. And how we found out about that, and we went, and there's this old tombstone, ancient tombstone. And she found them. We know where they're at now. But, yeah, a quarter of a mile from where I've been taking antiques for 25 years and selling them, and here, there, it was there all the time. And it was kind of neat to f discover that because you, you, it's a way to connect with your past. 
I discovered, I did an Ancestry.com a few years ago and got a picture of my, get it now, my great-great-grandfather's tombstone. You can go online now on the Internet. You can find tombstones and, you know, that's not a really uplifting thing. But to me, it was something because I could see my my great-great-grandfather's name on that tombstone and found out where he was buried. But just like a grave with no headstone... A person can be forgotten. Our memories of what God has done for us in the past can be forgotten too. Look at Numbers 11. I'm stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance today. Numbers chapter 11. Let me ask you this. If you could go back in time and you were one of the Israelites getting ready to remember the sea that dried up, what if you could cross through with the Israelites? Would that be a miraculous thing? You see, see, you know, God part the waters and, and his people walk right through on dry land. Do you think you'd ever forget that? (laughs) Would you ever forget that if we all just marched down to the river and I prayed and the waters just heaped up and we walked across on dry land? Would you think, wow, that's something? No, you'd all forget it because we're human beings. Well, what happened here? In Numbers 11, verse 1, it says, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched, and so he called the name of the place uh, Tibera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? See, they, they weren't satisfied with manna from heaven. They had to have meat. We what? It says in verse 5, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. (laughs) These are the same people that experienced a miraculous crossing. What did they forget? What did they remember? Did they remember that? What did they remember? The onion, the garlic, the leeks, the whatever. They remembered what they ate, but forgot about the supernatural manna from heaven. And didn't God hear their complaints? Do you think God hears you and I complain? Rick Renner, when he defines this word, he says, Remember is the present active imperative, which means Jesus wanted the church of Ephesus to be continually mindful of their past. Memories must be deliberately maintained if they're to remain alive in our hearts and minds. Let me say that statement again. 
Remember is the present active imperative, which means Jesus wanted the church of Ephesus to be continually mindful of their past. Memories must be deliberately maintained if they are to remain alive in our hearts and minds. So do you think it's important we remember? It is. Things can become fuzzy, folks, when you're spiritually dull, disinterested. When you're a spiritual sluggard. Things can become fuzzy. If significant memories are not deliberately passed on to future generations, they become lost, just like a neglected grave. And you and I have a responsibility to pass on. What are the lot the Native American people? What do they do? They tell stories to their children. And then their children tell stories to their children. And it's passed down the generation to generation. What are your kids going to remember what God has done for you and your family? If you don't rehearse it, if you don't reflect on it and meditate. And we're going to get into this because in the next week or two, I'll show you how when you remember is tied to meditation. Pondering, reflecting, thinking about things. A believer can forget his early experiences with God. How many of you have an early experience with God that just stands out? Let me see your hand. Something God did for you that was so miraculous and so supernatural, it had to be God. A believer can forget his early experiences with God. A church can forget... God forbid, a church, Harvest Church can forget humble beginnings. Harvest Church can forget about what God has done for them in the past. And a nation can forget its godly heritage. Why do you think we're in the mess we're in right now? Next week, this is what we're going to do. I'm not going to teach and I'm not going to preach. And we'll find out if, you know, if you don't show up next week, we'll just know you're all chickens. Now, this is what I'm about to tell you. You, you, I'm not going to, I don't want you to feel obligated. But I want to hear a memory from you that so stands out that you'll never forget it. And we're going to remember next week what God has done for you and your family. I could could stand here and do it. And maybe I'll share one or two things. But I want to hear from you. Some of you are going, oh, I've got to go see Aunt Susie next week. I won't be here. I want to hear from you. You're not going to have to stand up. and Just what Jasmine did today was less than a minute. Well, that's Jasmine. She's good at it. Yes, she is good at it. But if God, you truly love Daddy God, you're not going to be ashamed to get up and say, this is what my God did for me. This is what my God did for my family, my marriage, my, my kids. 
my finances, my health, certainly there's something you can share. And we're going to do that. I'm not going to preach. And by doing that, I want you to see how remembering how God has blessed you, he's going to do it again. I said he's going to do it again. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us. We're his kids. And we need to remember. You know, I I was so blessed. I don't want to embarrass Micah. Yeah, I do. Um, On Father's Day, I was getting ready for bed. And he said, happy Father's Day. And then he left the room and he came back and he put his arms around me and hugged me. And my kids, you know, we're not an affectionate family. We're just not. We don't do that. We don't, we don't go around hugging people. That's just us. Now, maybe you are that way. Nothing against that. Don't get offended. We're just German stock, and it's the way we were raised. Now, you know, I didn't get too many hugs from my mother. You know, I always want I, I can remember in the, it's, a, it's burning me. It's a scar. I remember sleeping in the um, crib. She never let me get in bed. I wasn't 15. Give me a break. 14. Um, and as a child, she would, my mother and folks would never let me sleep in bed with them when I was a little. Now, that's pretty young to remember that. But this is my memory. My memory hanging my arm out of the rail, holding on to my mother's hand. She would do that. So I didn't grow up with huggy folks. Amen. What was I gone? I'm, I got off on a tangent. Yeah, but him hugging me. It, it meant a lot to me. Do you hug your daddy? What's this eye thing like this? It's a lot easier, I know, to hug mama. I know that. So next week, everyone say next week. I'm going to remember something God has done for me. And we're going to share it. Will you do that? Let's stand to our feet. I hope I, stir, I, hope I prodded you and stirred you up today. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy today for everyone in this room. Holy Spirit, as you prompted me, you spoke to my heart about remembering what God the Father, Daddy God, has done for me in the past. Quicken to your people, Holy Spirit, something that that has blessed them and would bless the body next week. I thank you, Father. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So thank you, Father, for doing that. Holy Spirit, bear witness with their hearts that what they they can share next week. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it.